Good morning, folks. Good morning. Let's worship together, shall we? Would you stand and sing with us? Good morning. When I look out here, it looks like we're on fire with all the red, so great day, great day today. It's so good to see you this morning. Welcome to worship. Today is Pentecost and Senior Recognition Sunday. If you have any prayer requests, please email them to Val Long. Our next Just for Guys meeting will take place here at 6.30, excuse me, 6 o'clock on Thursday, May 27th. We have resumed collecting new brand new socks and underwear for Haven for Hope. The collection box is in the fellowship hall. The scripture reading this morning is Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from the heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated 
and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Note, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophecy. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of our Lord. Let us join now in prayer. Loving God, we gather today to praise you. We thank you for all of the blessings of this week and for those we are yet to receive. Remind us that we are here to serve and not to be served. Never let us doubt that we are not alone. We know you are with us. Let the word we hear today strengthen us to go out and tell others about your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I call the children up, I have just a quick announcement, always, a quick announcement. As we move towards reopening, we are going to be reopening our nursery the first Sunday in June. Hooray! With that, it means that we once again need volunteers as part of our children's ministry. We have been using our nursery staff and our children's ministry, and they get to go back to doing what they do best, which means I need help because I cannot manage the elementary class by myself. You don't want me to. So, <laughs> so the Hill City Kids are looking for volunteers. If you're interested in um, starting back up, if you're a previous volunteer, or if you've heard me up here talking and you think maybe it'd be fun to hang out over there and do crafts with me, um, there's a sign-up out there in the lobby. Uh, I'm looking for your name and your phone number, uh, a contact email, as well as what service you'd like to volunteer at. Generally in the past, I have just made a schedule for volunteers to show up, so you're only doing one service, uh, uh, one service hour a month, right? One hour a month, if you're willing and able to do it. Um, and we work around whatever schedule works best for you. So if the second Sunday of the month is the day that works for you and you want to be here at 9 a.m. to volunteer, we will schedule it that way. Um, but we are looking for those volunteers. If you um, 
Our previous volunteer, and you're wondering about your safe gathering certification. I know many of you were in the process of being recertified when COVID hit, and then a year passed, and apparently you're not allowed to take a year to be recertified. So a lot of people expired during their recertification. It's okay, our, our nursery staff is fully certified. Everybody who works with children, who is on the payroll of the church, has been certified, has full background checks. So at this point, we are asking our volunteers to do the national background check because our volunteers will not ever be left alone in the classroom with the kids by themselves. They will always have a fully certified person right there with them, making sure that we're following all of the protocols. So if you are thinking about that in the back of your head and you say, I really don't want to do the four hours again, Jesse, I love you, but um, it's okay. I love you too. Please come back. <laughs> we would love to have you. The sign-up's out there. Also, with that, um, we have been following the school district with their COVID mandates and their COVID protocols. And recently, our governor has said that public buildings can no longer require masks. So we will be reevaluating that. I will be talking with my nursery staff and with whatever volunteers sign up because we have to remember that um, the protections aren't just for the children in the ministry, but for everybody who walks into the room and for everybody who those children come into contact with when they leave the room. So we'll be reevaluating our COVID protocols and I will announce them next week so everybody knows what will be happening the first Sunday in June um, when Governor Abbott's mandate or ban or whatever it is goes into effect. Okay, so with that, I'd like to call the kiddos forward, and if y'all could sit on the floor in front of me, I'm going to stay standing, because we're recording this for the children, or for the online worship, and I don't think that video is going to see me behind those awesome bell tables. Go ahead and go sit down. I don't want to step on you. Can you sit by Miss Susan? I promise she won't bite. She's pretty cool. I am so glad you all are here today. Today is exactly 50 days after Easter Sunday. Did you know that? It's 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, and it's 10 days after he rose into heaven. Today is a day that we call Pentecost, which is a really funny word. It used to be a harvest celebration. I suppose it still is in Jewish culture, but for us, it's the day that we celebrate getting the Holy Spirit from God. Do you, have you guys heard the term Holy Spirit before? No? We need some more soul music up in here. <laughs> right? Soul music. Right? So the Holy Spirit is a part of God. It sounds really funny, but God has three sides to himself. And usually we talk about it on Trinity Sunday. But he's got God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And you can kind of think of it about yourself. When you are out in public, when you're at school, when you're at the store with your mom, when you're here at church, when you're older and you're at work, that's your public self. The way you behave when you're out in public is your public self. And if you're thinking about God, Jesus would have been God's public self. He's the person that he sent down to earth to show everyone how they should live, right? He gave them this ultimate example of how they should live. So Jesus was God's public self. Well, the Holy Spirit would be God's private self. That's who you are when you're at home, when you're relaxing. That's who you are with your friends when you feel really comfortable, right? We start maybe getting a little bit goofier. We laugh a little bit more when we're our private selves because we're more comfortable, right? And then we have our inner self, that part that nobody else sees. That's what's happening inside your mind, right? That inner self is like God the Father. Nobody knows what God the Father knows. Jesus didn't know everything that God the Father knows. The Holy Spirit doesn't know everything that God the Father knows. So those are the three parts. But he sent the Holy Spirit down to live inside of us because he didn't want us to be alone. And he came down in this really cool way, as usually happens in the Bible, right? 
the disciples were still in Jerusalem after Jesus had gone up into heaven. And they were all gathered in a house together. And actually, we're even told that it's not just the disciples. They said the followers of Jesus. So it could have been more than the original 12. But they're gathered together and they're waiting. Jesus told them to wait. And they're like, okay, Lord, we're waiting. And they're twiddling their thumbs. And they're bored. I'm thinking they probably prayed a little bit. Oh, Lord, please come. Give us the gift fast. Right? And he sent down the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, there was a whooshing wind, really loud and roaring. And fire came down and rested on the heads of every person in the building. Every person in that house. Could you imagine looking out there today and seeing fire on top of everybody's head? Would that be weird? Yeah, it'd be pretty weird, right? Do you think it was hot? I wonder if it was hot. Do you think they felt it? I think they probably felt something because the spirit came inside of them, lived inside of them. And when that happened, they all started speaking different languages, not the language they know. That would be like everybody out here today. We know everybody out here speaks English, right? Because we, I know you guys all speak English. I'm talking to you and you're listening. And I think they're all listening too. And I know I'm talking in English, so we can assume that everybody here speaks English and understands English. But what if all of a sudden everybody stood up and started speaking a different language? Not everybody stood up and started speaking Spanish. No, but everybody stood up and spoke a different language. Individual languages. That's what happened that day. And the disciples went out and they told people about the wonders of God, how amazing and awesome God is, all three parts of him. And that day, 3,000 new people heard the word of God because they were able to say it in a different language. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came down inside of us and he gives us gifts. Not the fruit that you hear of often. We often talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And those are the things that we produce when we have the Spirit inside of us. Things like love and kindness. We talk about those when we talk about sharing God's love with others. right? Peace, which is calm. Patience, which is the ability to wait right? That's a hard one for me. Goodness, which is being honest. Gentleness, which is being calm or being um, soft, right? Treating each other softly instead of roughly. And a whole bunch of others. We'll touch on them in children's church because Miss Jessie doesn't have her notes in front of her. And I know somebody out there is saying, I know them. I know them. But he gave us gifts too. He gave us gifts. And those gifts give us the ability to tell other people about God, to produce that fruit for God, Things like wisdom and counsel and knowledge. And if you've never heard of the gifts of the Spirit, kiddos down here, we're going to talk about them and spark worship if you come with me over there. And grown-ups out there, I really suggest that you look into them. I know growing up, I didn't know about the gifts of the Spirit until I looked them up last year when I was doing my Pentecost sermon. (laughs) So I went my entire childhood without hearing about the gifts of the Spirit. And they're amazing, the abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And it gives us strong points of one one gift. Everybody gets a strong individual gift, but we get all of the gifts as well. So while while somebody like Pastor Jim might have the gift of knowledge of God's word, right? Have you guys ever asked him something off the cuff and he can just like spout it out? (laughs) And it's amazing. And I I might be a little bit jealous of it because it's a wonderful gift. But the Holy Spirit gives us each that ability, And it'll give you each that ability as you follow Jesus. It's a wonderful, amazing thing. And we're going to celebrate it more today in Spark Worship, okay? We all bow your heads, close your eyes, fold your hands, and let's talk to God. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit that lives inside us so we can better follow you. 
In your name we pray. Amen. All right, kiddos, so we don't mess with the bell tables. We're going to exit out the back of the sanctuary today, all right? If you're coming to spark worship for me in the fellowship hall, we'll go out the back of the sanctuary. Good morning. Good to see all of y'all here on this beautiful spring morning. We got a, what, just under a month of spring left, so let's enjoy it. As the, as the slide indicated, at 11 o'clock, we will be honoring our graduating seniors. We have two graduating seniors this year, so uh, we will be celebrating their graduation at the 11 o'clock service. I'll start our rainbows and rattlesnakes with the rainbow that it is to see all of you this morning and the rainbow that we've been having rain. Praise the Lord. All that rain, or not all of it, but a good bit of it trickles right down into the aquifer, right? And most of us are going to be pulling a lot of it out later this summer. So it's a blessing every drop we get. It's the gift of life, really, is what it is that God's sending us. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the rain. We thank you for all the blessings that you bestow upon us. We thank you for the freedom to come together and worship you and fellowship with each other. Cause us never to forget the blessings that we have. Lord, we lift up those who have been named that need healing in their minds, their bodies, or their spirits. We lift up those who have recently lost loved ones anywhere. We ask that you would be with them. We lift up the members of our congregation who are traveling today and this week. We ask that you would give them travel mercies. Lord, we, we lift up the situation in the Middle East. We pray for continued peace in Jerusalem. Lord, we, we lift up those in any, any portion of the world where there is violence or war. We lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world, that they would seek and do your will, that there would be peace and harmony. Lord, we ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding, open our hearts, that as your word is proclaimed this morning, it might cause us to be better disciples of your son who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, days like we've been having and, and this time of year, I was thinking the other day, remind me of a time a few years ago, 
actually it was in 1975. So, like I said, a, a few years ago, I was, I was stationed at Mare Island Naval Shipyard in Vallejo, California. And I had a good friend, uh, a fellow Texan, Steve was his name. I'll keep his last name anonymous in, uh, in case he doesn't want this out. And one afternoon, Steve and I belonged to the, the sailing club there on base. So one afternoon, it was a pretty afternoon, we decided we'd take out one of the little Lido's and go sailing out there on San Pablo Bay. Well, we got clear of most of the ship channel there and everything. And then just like the Holy Spirit coming down on the church during Pentecost, this gust of wind came across. You know, the word used for spirit in the Bible over and over again is also the same word that's used for wind. And that gust of wind snapped the mast in half. <laughs> what a great thing, you know? What a, what, what a wonderful thing. Today's reading comes out of Paul's epistle to the church in Rome, Romans. And Romans is an interesting book. Romans is the only epistle that Paul wrote to a church that he didn't have something to do with the founding of. And Romans also is it's the closest thing to a systematic theology that Paul ever wrote down. Most of his other epistles deal with more practical issues of life, how things are to be handled and everything. But Paul really gets into theology in Romans. And this morning we're going to talk a little bit about the theology, of course, of the Holy Spirit. Since this is Pentecost. Our reading comes from Romans chapter 8, which it's sort of the end there of, if you break Romans up into parts, about Paul talking about righteousness. That's the overall theme from chapters 1 through chapter 8 there. And we're just going to look at a few verses this morning that pertain to the Holy Spirit and the action of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Romans 8, starting with uh, verse 22, I'm going to read just through verse 27. Consider the word of the Lord. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit 
because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, renew us in your Holy Spirit as you did on that day of Pentecost and as you do often in the lives of Jesus' apprentices. Fill us with your Spirit. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, Paul starts out there saying that the whole creation is groaning, waiting for God to do something, God to restore it. And we are too. We groan too. Now, remember, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And what we do affects all of God's creation. Right there in, in, in Genesis, right after the fall, in Genesis 3.17, what does it say? It says, the ground is cursed because of you, right? Because of what man did. It says, the ground is cursed. The good news is, the good news is, as one place we see it, in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, it says, of the Lord... I am making new heavens and a new earth, right? But we're not there yet. Paul knew that his audience very much looked at the world in two ages. We have where we are now. This is the present age, right? And we have what's coming in the future, the age to come the age to come, when there will be a new heaven and an earth, when we will be resurrected, and we know from Jesus' resurrection that when we're resurrected, we get new bodies. That's a good thing, right? Or, or you know, for, for a good number of us, I think we would say that's a good thing, you know? And our bodies, uh, there's, there's even more. There's better news than that. Our bodies don't look like these, right? Remember? Mary and, and uh, a number of people didn't recognize Jesus when he was raised from the dead. So uh, we have that expectation, that hope that's coming. And we're not alone in it. We're not, you know, we aren't alone in our groanings, if you will. Uh, most of us here could probably groan about something if we wanted to, but it's, uh, of course, better to refrain from that because if you spend too much time groaning, then you're not about the business of making it better and telling other people about God's goodness. You know, when that wind snapped that mast that day, we could have sat on our hands and groaned, right? But uh, we chose not to. We figured that uh, we weren't alone and that something could be done, could be done. We had hope that we would walk around on the land again at some point, you know. And that's the next thing Paul addresses here. He says, we have hope. We have hope that this is going to take place. Now, 
I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about hope. Sometimes people confuse hope with wishes, all right? I look at it this way. Wishes are pretty much things that ain't going to happen, all right? You know, it's, and, and we even use the term wishful thinking, right? Wishful thinking. But, but hope, hope is something that we can be assured of. We can be assured of. You know who lives in hope? I'll tell you who lives in hope. I've mentioned Andy and Teddy before, my dogs, right? You know, again, if we could be more like dogs, we'd probably be better off, all of us. But, uh, you know, my dogs got up this morning when I got up, and after a while, I fed them, you know? They're pretty sure they're going to get fed a couple of times a day, right? And again, that's the way we are. We, we're, we should be confident. That's what hope is. It's confidence in the good things that are going to happen. In the good things that are going to happen. It's absolute confidence. Faith is being assured of good things that are going to happen. Faith, as it tells us in Hebrews, right? 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance, assurance, you know, that's concrete. You can take it to the bank of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, not seen. Again, we don't see the Holy Spirit, but it's here. We aren't alone. It's helping each and every one of us all the time. Whereas fear, fear is confidence in or looking forward to evil. Hope is looking forward to good. And we need to always remember, and the Holy Spirit will help us remember this, that hope is born of love. Everything that's born of love is constructive. It builds up. It edifies. Everything that's born of fear destroys. It tears down. It deteriorates. So we need to live in that place of hope all the time and understand that our hope is concrete. It's going to happen. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to have new bodies, and we need to rest in that and understand that. Paul ends this section by saying that the Spirit is there to help us pray. Why? Because we don't know how to pray. That's what he said, right? That's what, that's, that's what I read a few minutes ago. We don't know how to pray. Why don't we know how to pray? There are a bunch of reasons. I'll just mention a few. One of them is we don't know what's in the future, right? We don't have a clue what's in the future. We don't know what's going to happen 30 minutes from now. If we're rigorously honest about it, we may make some predictions. There may be some probabilities, but we don't know. And we certainly don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the week after. So the Spirit sent from God knows what's going to take place and can help us there. 
Another reason we don't know how to pray and we need the Spirit's help is that we don't always know what's good for us, right? I'd say a lot of times we don't know what's good for us. I mean, I would imagine that most of you in here and, and probably most of us on multiple occasions have had things that looked horrible happen to us and it turned out for the better, right? It turned out for the better. We don't know. So we don't know what to ask for always. You know, when we were, on, when we were sitting out there bobbing up and down, dead in the water, out there on San Pablo Bay, I was thinking, uh, you know, a Johnson outboard motor would be real nice. But again, but again, you know, that's more akin to the wishful thinking. It wasn't going to happen. You know, one wasn't just going to fall out of the sky or pop up out of the, out of the drink, right? Wasn't going to happen. So Steve and I looked at each other and said, you know, we should have taken another boat. <laughs> but, but still, you got to do something, right? And again, we all have to do something. And the Holy Spirit helps us. We have to remember that. We have to stay encouraged. And we help each other. It's much, it's much easier in a situation like that when there's somebody there to help you. But you know what we did? We wiggled that mass back and forth and broke it off completely. Then we took all the rigging off of it, right? And then we had a really inefficient oar. <laughs> but it worked. It worked. It was sufficient you know, it was sufficient to get us back to the dock eventually, right? So uh, we went sailing, and we ended up doing crew. But uh, anyway, and the Holy Spirit knows, again, what we need. Now, I think there's one thing that it's okay to ask for in prayer. There are a number of things, but one thing that I, that I want us to think about this morning is, is I think it's appropriate and we can ask the Holy Spirit that we see the world the way Jesus saw the world in every aspect. You know, see, Jesus lived in constant hope. You know, and the more, the more we are like Jesus, the more we live into that hope. It just happens that way. It just happens that way. You see, Jesus was righteous. As I said, Paul used the first eight, uh, eight chapters really to talk about righteousness over and over again and how we get righteousness. You see, righteousness is not, again, anything we do. Righteousness is a right relationship with God. That's what righteousness is. And Jesus had that. And Jesus was led of the Spirit, and he told us. He told us in uh, several places, but one of the places he told us was in John chapter 16, verse 8. You know what he said there? You know what Jesus said there? He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is going to prove the world wrong. The Holy Spirit is going to prove the world wrong in relation to sin, in relation to righteousness, 
and in relation to judgment. That's what Jesus said, John 16, 8. So now you think about that. That's a, that's a pretty interesting statement, uh, that the Holy Spirit's going to prove the world wrong on those three particular cases. And, of course, I don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of analysis for us to figure out now, right? Uh, the world is completely goofed up on sin. You, know, you talk to some people, you wouldn't even think there was any sin anymore, right? It's like an old-fashioned idea. But look around us. Just, just look around. You, you pick an area of the world or an area of life and see what's going on. And the Holy Spirit would say, you know, these people are suffering and things are uh, deteriorating the way they are because of sin. And then it also says that the Holy Spirit's going to prove the world wrong on righteousness. Whew. Where could we go there? The righteous, the, you know, what the world considers as righteous is just a mess. But again, as Jesus demonstrated, and as I said a few minutes ago, righteousness is a right relationship with God. That's what righteousness is. And then it said the Holy Spirit was going to prove the world wrong in judgment. In judgment. And I'll just tie this back to what we see when we talk about the Holy Spirit. That is, again, we don't see the Spirit, right? We don't see the wind. We don't see our breath, typically. We might on a chilly day. And we don't always see what's going on. So again, we always need to be asking guidance of the Holy Spirit that we might make a right judgment and not be swayed just by mere appearances because often very very often the appearance is wrong is wrong so i think it's good that we ask the holy spirit to let us see with the same eyes that jesus saw the world with where he saw everyone as god's child where he saw everything in the world as God's place. This is God's world. Everything in it should be in accordance with God's will. And finally, we can always, like Jesus did, ask the Holy Spirit to guide us that not our will, but God's will be done. Amen? Now go in peace, and as you go, remember, you're never, never alone. God is always with us. And as you do that, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
steadfast, strong, and true. No 